Welcome to the Shelf Warmers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about Moon Knight. I'm your co-host, Darby, and we're going to talk about the history of horror comics. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of the novels Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant. I collect comic books, Star Wars toys, and things I really should not be buying. <laughs> and I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures and die-cast cars, such as Hot Wheels. Since living in Japan, I've developed an interest in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. So, of course, we had to do it, and tonight we're going to talk about Moon Knight. Talking about Moon Knight. Arv, what's your thoughts? Episode 1. Yeah, you know, I really like this. Uh, I was... I'm not a Moon Knight fan uh, from the comic books. This was the least, the show I was least looking forward to. But I was very excited about Oscar Isaac, who's a great actor and is outstanding in this. I have thoughts about it. And um, in general, I like the first episode. It's a very good first episode. It does a lot of great things. I think it takes some interesting uh, attacks with introducing a lot of exposition. There's a lot of exposition in this without feeling super exposition-y. There's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting elements in the story that are unique and not very MCU. This is the least sort of MCU thing we've had in a, a long time. Uh, virtually no connection, uh, overt connection to the MCU. There's a great Werewolf by Night Easter egg in this episode. Uh, in the museum, which I think will probably come back and matter later uh, as we get into the series and other MCU stuff. Werewolf by Night will be the subject of a Disney Plus show later this year or next year. Um, they're doing a Halloween special, which is going <laughs> to feature Werewolf by Night. Um, but anyway, what What's did you Werewolf think? Werewolf by Night? Werewolf by Night is Jack Russell. He's uh, He turns into a werewolf, and he's one of the sort of... Moon Knight first appears in Werewolf by Night 32, and he, at the very beginning, is a villain, Moon Knight, and he is sent to take down uh, Werewolf by Night and um, uh, by an organization that we find out later is actually sort of an evil, shadowy organization. Is it the Collective? I think it's the Collective. And, um, and then, uh, but Jack Russell is the character and he's one of several horror themed characters that emerge in Marvel in the seventies. They relax the uh, comic code a little bit. And then you get like Dracula, you get blade, you get werewolf by night, you get moon Knight, you get several characters like that man thing. Um, and then uh, werewolf by night will be, uh, they've cast that's going to be Gail Garcia Bernal. Uh, is playing uh, Werewolf by Night, and that's going to be, I think, probably next year because I think they just started filming. I'm not 100% on that, though. Um, mm-hmm. But we could very, I'm going to say we'll see Werewolf by Night in this series. Okay. Because that was, was the more. the thing that was attacking him at the end, right? In the museum? It, it was a wolf thing, right? Yeah. Spoilers, by the mm-hmm. way, folks. Uh, whoops as always <laughs> yeah what it, but what it, what did you think so uh, when I was collecting the Marvel trading cards way back in the 90s oh, uh, right. wave yeah. one one two and three I got the full set of all of them oh, that's um, awesome. yeah I I really liked Moon Knight's design. Like that was kind of my entire connection with the character is that Marvel trading card, and I thought the design was really cool. The 
idea was really cool, but, you know, the idea was, what, less than a paragraph on the back of a card? So right. it wasn't really um, illuminating. I don't know much about Moon Knight at all. So this is, for me, it's interesting because this is, I think, the first MCU where I really don't know anything about the character. Um, I know the design. I know the the name. And that's about it. I don't really know anything yeah. else about the character. So uh, it's kind of cool to go into an MCU property blind, like not just not knowing what, what's about to happen or what who represents what and all that. So that part's kind of cool. But one thing I'm yeah. not really a fan of is, um, well, maybe not not a fan. Maybe that's too strong of a, a phrase. But one thing that it feels like to me is, Fight Club plus uh, Venom. Venom, because the whole over the voiceover and Mm -hmm. like, oh, you let the idiot in control. That type of idea feels like Venom. But at the same time, the whole he can't sleep. But like when he does sleep, it's actually somebody else um, and it's taking over. One person is the idiot. One person is like the one who's capable and can take down what was it four guards in in however long uh, Stephen was asleep. And every time yeah. he wakes up, like Mark is super able uh, capable of everything, um, including driving a I tr- uh, cupcake truck backwards. So I thought yeah. I was like, uh, that's a bit Fight Club-y. Um, so I'm not quite I sure like, where that's going. I like the Fight Club. I had not thought about that in watching it, but it's it's very Fight Club-y. And mm-hmm. it's an interesting take. And um, this is an interesting approach to the material. Um, the, the, the split personalities is an aspect of Moon Knight going back more or less to the beginning. The primary uh, alter ego of Moon Knight is Mark Spector. Mark Spector is ex-mercenary, ex-CIA, and he's sort of in the driver's seat of um, the personalities. One of the other major personalities is Stephen Grant. In the comic book, Stephen Grant is like a billionaire. It's like a businessman. Here, Stephen is, uh, he works for uh, the uh, London uh, Gallery, I think is where Mm -hmm. he's at. And, gallery or um, museum I'm, i wasn't quite sure but yeah yeah i, I it's it's um it, it's actually uh the same building uh that we talked about this on doctor strange uh they the doctor strange <clears throat> when they show the illuminati in the built mm-hmm. in the uh trailer uh they're actually physically filming inside the london gallery it's the you don't see that that stairwell in this show but that's the same exterior building so um, a different museum that Cersei and Dane Whitman are working at at Eternals, although they're just they're just down the road. Um, the um, but yeah, so multiple personalities, and then you have Kanchu. Kanchu is the Egyptian deity of the moon. He is the very vulture-like figure that who is haunting uh, Stephen and who is speaking that voice. Uh, mm-hmm. This is very different from the comics. Uh, where Kanchu confers upon Mark, his power makes him at the fist of Kanchu. Basically, mm-hmm. you have a lot of different takes on Kanchu, which includes some very interesting ones. Where Kanchu is a very sort of selfish and and uh, temperamental god, which I think is might be what we're getting here. It's very interesting. Uh, but you have that conflated with this Fight Club thing, which is the new element, which is really interesting, and the. The decision to focus on Steven and to make Steven a museum worker and to do all these different things that are radically different approach than the comics is interesting. I read an interview with Oscar Isaac where he talked about his sort of take on Steven was that Steven's also on the spectrum. By that he meant the autistic spectrum. I don't know how I feel about that yet because I feel like Steven and Mark are are actually suffering from uh, some mental health issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think are the primary concern, but we're at one episode in. Um, but I, that being said, I, I really like uh, Oscar Isaac's performance in this. He, yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, I knew that 
it was going to be really interesting when you have whenever you have whenever you're able to pull off the mirror split personality in one take without the cuts it's going to be interesting so you know the the great example is Willem Dafoe in uh, as Green Goblin in Spider-Man yeah yeah right when he talked to himself in the mirror and there wasn't the cuts you didn't have the the cuts like it was just there was a couple moments where it was one take and he he his face shifted everything shifted really smoothly Andy Circus was able to do it as well um i want to say as Gollum but that's a bit cheating cuz you know cgi but um and then Oscar Isaac in the very end uh when he looked in the mirror and then you kind of, you could kind of see that shift right away happen. I was like, okay, he's he's doing a good job as being able to kind of shift into one or the other. Um, it's it was very evocative of Christopher Reeves and that moment in Superman yes. where he, he took off the glasses. Out of his, yeah, yeah, yeah. He that night and day. Yeah. Yep. And, and that moment, that is the reason why the glasses worked as only a disguise for Clark Kent. Exactly. Like, he could be, like he became a completely point. different guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I loved all of that. I love the way that this, the story built towards this can, it made a mystery out of what is happening to Steven. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it allowed, there's a lot going on in the story, including the Khonshu part and the moon Knight part. And it made all, all that exposition, which is stuff involving the Ethan Hawke character we haven't even talked about yet, that it yeah. made all of that, it communicated all of that in really interesting ways that were a typical story, and certainly a typical MCU story would have stopped and just explained. So next to no explanation in this story, a lot of focus on character. My favorite scene in the show, uh, in the episode, was a scene that evidently uh, they wa- they wanted to cut and Oscar Isaac and had to fight to keep in, which is the date, the dinner date gone wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he shows up at the uh, the uh, steakhouse, I guess, and he's he's blown it because he's he's been asleep or he's actually not been asleep. He's been Mark for a couple days and doesn't remember. And uh, very a lot of pathos, a lot of you know it was you know in the grand MCU scheme of things, does it matter? No, but in as a character, it it's a, it does a lot of stuff for Stephen, who's suffering terribly from something he doesn't understand. Um, yeah. And he's he's a guy who is living his primary connection in life is this goldfish, and he he has a standing date with this woman who's gorgeous, and you're like. Good for you, Steven. And then he blows it because he's off killing numerous assassins and wherever they were, uh, you know. Yeah, drilling yeah. into that scene, like at the time I liked it as well because it, it does show how uh, exhausting and you can't maintain it, right? But drilling down into it, Mark was the one who engaged and got the date with the woman in the first place. So that Mark didn't meet his own date. Like he didn't make his own date. So what? I kind of feel like, yeah. And plus Mark two timing. Cause he's clearly got, uh, he's clearly connecting with, uh, Layla, Lila. Uh, I forget how her name exactly. Layla. The woman who's Layla. And I, and I wasn't sure if that was a professional relationship or a romantic one. Or I'm going to say rom. Or both, yeah. It's gonna say both because uh, I, we don't know yet. She's not a character from the comic books, Layla. Yeah. Uh, at, le- at least that I can tell, and uh, that so question mark. One of the the other name in his phone, so Layla called him a million times, and then the other name in his phone was Duchamp. This is a reference yep. to uh, Fren- Frenchie Duchamp, who is uh, in the in the comic books, who is Mark's sort of Alfred. He's uh, okay, he's sort okay. of his he sort of his uh, his uh, assistant. Stevens Alfred, right? Mark, really? Um, okay. Yeah. So Mark Mark is the primary personality in the books, and uh, Stephen is a secondary personality. There's others. The, one of the most prominent others is Mister Knight. This yeah. is a, a 
uh, figure that we're going to meet in this show as well. Given I what saw we've that seen Marvel Legends as well. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get a lot of these personalities. One thing I'm sort of I'm encouraged by in the first episode because we're going to it deals with the fact that you know these he's suffering and he's got issues and that it, it takes it on in a serious way. I hope we don't get muddied or confused about what's happening in the comic books. It's generally understood he does because there was an entire run by Jeff Lemire where um, uh, Mark was in a mental institution and receiving help for his uh, condition, his social, uh, dissociative personality disorders, what he suffers from in the comics. And I hope that you know that we get some at least attention devoted to this um in the book or in the book in the show and that it's not just sort of swept under the rug and been, this is a consequence of his relationship with Kanshu or something like that you know um because mm-hmm. you know because I, I think oscar isaac's such a good actor this is such a good episode um of uh unexpected you know i had no expectations really going in because like i said i'm not a moon knight guy so i didn't really know and then like this sort of struck me as like i love the directing mohammed d Daib, I'm probably mispronouncing, on the directing was outstanding. I love the cinematography. I love the sort of approach. That scene, that action scene in the middle where they're cutting back and forth between, you know, Mark or Steven is is blanking out and Mark is wrecking house and he wakes back up was very, very well done. Uh, some dodgy CGI in, in some of that with some bad green screen. I, I was just like, oh, okay. But mm-hmm. um, otherwise, very, very good. Um, very interesting. A lot of very interesting camera work. A lot of mirrors. A lot of uh, reflections. Things like that. Yeah. Which is... On the one hand, I like it. On the other hand, it's very much a trope in film language, right? To oh, use sure. mirrors and reflective surfaces to to suggest split personalities and and whatnot. Um, for sure yeah and that that scene in when he was just in Europe I thought was really well done like I I liked it I waffle between wanting between the blacking out and then waking back up so we're staying in Steven's perspective but I'm sure that later on we're going to see like that shift actually happen during the conflict do you know what I mean like had he yeah. like what we saw was that he blacked out and then came up and then there's blood all over him and the guards are dead or he blacked out he woke up he's driving backwards in the truck he blacked out he woke up right like we're 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 staying with Steven's perspective and i'm sure that later on in the show we will have more of a neutral third person perspective where we'll actually see Steven shift back and forth between the two yeah yeah in the moment probably and um and now that we have at the the episode ends with the um we see the moon knight and and what is a very uh cool take on the costume um the uh, uh sort of the mummy wrap the mummy sort of sort of thing which is not the comic book it, that's a different sort of take I thought that was very interesting Yeah. and so M- Mark is clearly associated with the Moon Knight and is uh, the avatar of Khonshu which is why Khonshu is so belligerent towards Steven about like letting Mark take over and because um, Steven is not and then so the question will become who is the actual real person is it Mark who has an entire life outside of Steven, it seems. And, or is it, or is it Steven? Is it, um, is it someone else that we haven't met yet? Um, we don't even know. See, and to me, that question is very fight club. Who, very fight who club. is, yeah. who is the real yeah. person? Is it Tyler Durden or is it, uh, Jack's yeah. spleen or whatever that was, uh, yeah. Edward Norton's character. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Now that you say that, it's like that's totally what this is, which is a really good take for this story. Um, and certainly with a, a very challenging Moon Knight. Like I said, I, I never got into Moon Knight, and so I was like, I wasn't really, you know, he sort of um, uh, 
the Egyptian stuff is interesting, uh, you know, but I, I just never, I never got into it. And I remember reading him. So he was, he joined the West Coast Avengers and so it was like 86, 87. So it was, a, you know, and I remember reading that I was one of the books I had flipped through on the stands and uh, I just couldn't get into Moon Knight. It was like, there's so many other interesting people on the team and, and the Moon, then he had his own book. There are parts of the Moon Knight um, comic book over the years which are very interesting and have interesting things in them. One of the most interesting is a uh, issue of uh, Mark Spector, comma, Moon Knight from number 42 from 1992, um, which he goes through the multiverse and the actual title of the story is multiverse of madness and oh um, do you think he, that that's going to be the connection like they're they're playing that up for dr strange it, it's too good not to think that they wouldn't because one the last episode of moon knight is going to air the uh, week of dr strange and uh, um right you mentioned that earlier yeah and like i it's there are natural connections between the two in the comics uh, Moon Knight and Doctor Strange are both part of the Midnight Suns, which is a group of sort of supernatural themed characters, which includes Blade and Ghost Rider and Morbius, whose movie just came out and I have not seen and don't know that it will because I I, I, I'm, I, I understand that it's terrible. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I, I, I I'm not interested because... in, uh, in Fox's Marvel Universe. Like it just does not interest me. It doesn't. It, it Morbius, like Moon Knight, is a character I don't really care about, and as I'm curious only in um, the connections, potential connections to other things. And then I was told by someone who saw it in advance uh, that it's a trash fire <laughs> for the a- for the ages, quote unquote. Okay. All right. Um. So we'll see. Well, I doubt it. I, I doubt I'll see it, but um, I'll probably have to write about it at some point. Uh, so I'll have to. I'll have to. I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. But um, I ended up breaking down and watching both the Venom movies, but that was like on DVD and stuff. So, yeah. um, what was I talking about? Moon Knight. There is a parallel between uh, Doctor Strange and Moon Knight and the comic books that they could potentially exploit here. This so far, the first episode, very non MCU ish. There's no overt reference to anything outside of Moon Knight's sphere. Um, so we'll see how heavy that gets, but just as a, as an MCU nerd, as a comic book nerd, I think it, it's too good. Uh, it's too, the, the connection is too strong with some of the stuff to not take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. And maybe that will take some form in the series. Maybe that'll just be a cameo by Moon Knight in the movie uh, or a Moon Knight variant, um, of which there are numerous in that particular issue. Issue 42 uh, of Mark Spector Moon Knight, including one major one who I think is probably one of the better villains of Moon Knight that uh, is, is probably going to appear at some point. Uh, who? <laughs> uh, he's called Nightshade, and he's uh Nightshade, yeah, Nightshade, and he is a dark variant of um Moon Knight, who was created by Magus, who's a variant of Adam Warlock, and Nightshade goes around uh sucking all the life energy out of Moon Knight variants through the multiverse. Okay. And he's uh he's as a villain, he's interesting and compelling, and you get to meet a for 1992 it's very early in the concept of the multiverse in comics certainly marvel comics uh you get to meet a shit ton of variants including a dinosaur moon knight which is these are just too good to not do so you know i i i sort of feel like we're going to get some moon knight something vis-a-vis doctor strange but we'll see so i'm i'm curious um I know that you said that you're not a big Moon Knight guy, but yeah, I'm curious. Is there anything you recommend? Like, for example, you recommended before Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Uh, oh yeah. But is there any of Moon Knight's issues that you do recommend? Yeah, uh, I would recommend the the 2000 
is it 14? Um, the Moon Knight, uh, all new, all different Moon Knight, which is the Mr. Knight run. Uh, this is all written by new, Warren all Moon Knight? Yeah, I think, I, or is it, it's, it's that or Marvel now. I forget which one. Um, but it's 2014 and it's the, it's the, it's the Mr. Knight run. It's a good place to jump in. It's a good take on the character. Uh, Jeff Lemire's, uh, 2015, 2016 run is interesting. Uh, these are all Moon Knight. They're just called Moon Knight. Um, and then particularly for this series, folks who are interested um the the fist of Kanchu limited series from 1983 or 4 um introduces a lot of the Kanchu backstory in the egyptian elements and that kind of a thing and then the regular run of moon knight maybe it's not the i forget, i get these mixed up cuz there's literally six or seven moon knight titles that are just called moon knight but <laughs> okay. issue 2 Issue two of Moon Knight in the 80s, it's either the limited or the ongoing, introduces Arthur Harrow, who is Ethan Hawke's character uh, in the show. Um, I don't know how essential that is because that Arthur Harrow is a thousand percent different from the show. Yeah, in the comic, Arthur Harrow is sort of a mad scientist. He was doing experiments on living people to try to cure a disease uh, a terrible disease and and he was only in the one issue he died in that issue this mm-hmm. Arthur Harrow I'm curious why they chose this particular name is uh, appears to be a acolyte of uh, the cult of a meat uh, or Amit and um, Amit who is a villain in the comics of Moon Knight and is uh, denoted by the crocodile head iconography uh, you can count count on the fact that you're going to see her um before the series is over um so i'm curious why they chose the arthur harrow persona for ethan hawk because it doesn't have any obvious connection to the comic book one um mm-hmm. and he he's mostly seems to be whole cloth original creation for the show oh so why use the name yeah yeah i don't know one thing that i thought was interesting about Moon Knight in general and his character in specific is how uh, sorry the MCU in general um, is how they're really leaning into just like the the paranormal like this is what happens in our in this universe they're not trying to kind of say like uh, it's it you know like some some properties used to try to uh, dance on that line between is it reality or is it like a, someone manipulating the things to make it look like it's paranormal but it's actually like a normal yeah. human thing like his tattoos actually move they actually change color um, yeah. as if Amit is actually there and they're really leaning into that as opposed to like I don't know, trying to toe the line. I think that's kind of interesting in terms of the MCU and what they're doing with it. That's a good point. I I, I think they're sort of the MCU is so expansive and so much crazy stuff has gone down already that you're just kind of like okay, <laughs> and yeah, that's you know, true. um, it's interesting to explore. It is you know I'm not a Moon Knight guy, but I, I it is interesting to explore different facets of the universe. We've had tons of movies now that explore the the Thor and the sort of Norse lineage of gods uh, in the MCU and the impact they've had on the real world. Now we're going to get into sort of the Egyptian. We're going to find there's a ton of Egyptian gods and figures that are we're going to see before the end of this series. I'm here to tell you, which I um, think is fascinating. I think it's about yeah. time that we had like. Uh, some Egyptology stuff going on. Yeah, and that's super. It's super interesting. You know, we had some great sort of Chinese uh, and Eastern uh, sort of I- uh, sort of figures and ideas that we saw in Shang Chi. Now we're getting some Egyptian ones, and um, uh, we may get some major major figures from Egyptian mythology. Depends on how crazy they go. Uh, 
Ahmet is a figure from Egyptian mythology. And Khonshu, I want to say, is mostly sort of made up in the Marvel. I could be wrong about that. Not a scholar on Egyptian mythology, but um, they're. Um, I think that's really kind of cool. The 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 Anubis sort of the wo- Egyptian wolf sort of figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get we see a variant on that at the end of the show. Uh, sort of a wolf sort of thing is attacking Moon Knight. Is that supposed uh, so, to be Anubis? I didn't think it was. I think it, we're meant to sort of infer. I think there's a visual connection there, but I, yeah, we don't know anything about it. Um, you know, so it's like, was this sent by Arthur Harrow? Was it sent by Amit? You know, kind of. We don't. I assume it was Amit. So mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see. But so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm you know, like, is there like a Egyptian equivalent of Asgard? that we're going to discover, you know, as we go into this, that, that then we can sort of build off of. And, you know, uh, that would be kind of cool. Um, it's so, yeah. And, and I like that folks, you know, uh, that the, the, that the, the show is different and it's a new, that's a good thing about the MCU is we talked about this before too, is that there's so many different ways you can uh, go with it and, and different perspectives you can take on it and mm-hmm. different avenues you can explore. And so while I may not be a Moon Knight guy, I, I appreciate this because it's it's different in the same way that I'm excited by other things that are coming later that I'm not necessarily predisposed to. But, you know, I'm here for it. So, you know, and so far this is really good. This is really interesting and um oscar isaac can do no wrong (laughs) we're gonna take a quick break to let you know about some exciting developments on the podcast first of all thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying it Uh, if you like our content and you want more of it you can subscribe to our channel and get additional conversations between sugu and i so stick around after the episode for a quick sample of what you could get if you want to give us any feedback Feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinions at shelfwarmers at gmail.com or on Twitter at shelfwarmers. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah, like one thing that I'm starting to see with the MCU that I that I like and I've been kind of hoping for for a long time, like for most of the MCU actually, is that the MCU is its own genre. Like MCU doesn't mean action movie. It can actually be mystery or it can actually be like Egyptian based right, or Egyptology based right like I, I like that it's starting to branch out into all sorts of these different um, styles and genres of filmmaking still in its infancy but I, I like that it's trying to do that or it's starting to and that's something I agree. I, I'd, I'd love to see more of one of the most fascinating things about the MCU as a genre itself is that it has made its bones uh, making every single movie and now TV show a different genre. That was sort of Kevin Feige sort of stated. He thought the only way that this would work was that you'd make each one of these distinct and so you would get a different sort of flavor to each one of the movies and franchises and the shows. And through that has emerged what you were just talking about, which is the MCU genre itself, which is this sort of amalgamation of all these different things which can take on now we see virtually any form and Mm -hmm. you know you keep pulling and stretching at it and moon knight ostensibly has nothing to do with the mcu right there's no if you come into it completely cold it's just it's it there's nothing directly connecting to it and that will change as we go forward i suspect but Right, right now, like it's just it could be another superhero movie, but it's not it's not just another one because this itself, and this is why the MCU continues to be successful. This itself is in, is inherently and internally compelling in a way that other just sort of random superhero stuff is not, where you're trying to replicate that MCU formula, even though this is a different flavor of the MCU. It still has some of those things. It has the humor. It has the action, it has the good versus evil, and it's that sort of that genre itself of like you know um, that are in, that's inherent part of the DNA now, which is now just sort of working. I think it's just sort of functioning, you know. 
I think it, you know, and they're experimenting with it and they're trying different things. And they're, this is, I'm curious to see as we get to the end of the series and we look back, this is really, with the exception, I would say, of WandaVision. Well, maybe I'm being I'm Loki, where this one is like, because those shows, though, were such known quantities going in. Like, no one, Moon Knight is not a character on the level of Wanda or Loki or, right. you know, uh, it hasn't Bucky even been and Sam. established. Yeah. So to to lean so hard on the mystery in this one is a really uh, interesting move, you know, a very bold move, and and to resist the giving, dumping the entire exposition and and uh, raison d'etre of uh, Moon Knight in the first twenty minutes is very very bold, and they're going to make this a mystery, and what's going to be the final episode before we get the whole sort of story? I think. You know that kind of brings up one of the other issues and maybe not issues, but one of the other things to think about is that people watched, uh, Wanda because they already knew the character and they wanted a continuation of the story. People mm-hmm. watched Falcon and the winter soldier because they already knew the characters and they wanted to continue the story. People watched Hawkeye because they already knew the characters and they wanted to watch the story. People watch it or people who are watching moon Knight are watching it because it's the MCU. Yeah. And Oscar Isaac is hot. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, like that's the, like, I can't think of, and I, I could be wrong, but um, I can't think of another MCU property that people are watching because it's the MCU. Uh, maybe Eternals, but. Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. Eternals, even less brand recognition than Moon Knight. Like. Right. In in terms of the Marvel comics themselves and Miss Marvel coming up here in May, June, um, it kind of the same deal. Although I, I, I think she sort of has more of a, she sort of branched out. She's gotten a little bit of, uh, awareness outside the comic books, but she's, yeah, I, general, I see her, it, I see her paraphernalia or her merchandise kind of around. So yeah, but in general, she's she's a relative unknown, and so that'll be an interesting thing too. That again is going to be a different show, with a different take and flavor. I like what I've seen of it so far, in terms of the trailer. I like it's going to be potentially a little bit meta. Uh, it's just another perspective in the world. It's um, uh, you know she she's Miss Marvel, Pakistani American, living in Jersey City. And it's going to, you know, you're going to get her family, her world, the high school, everything you get in the comic books, which is a great all-time classic comic book run, by the way, 2014 Miss Marvel run. Um, introduces a great character, very, for fans of Peter Parker, she's got that sort of vibe, Peter Parker vibe. 2014 um, is a good year for comics. It was you a very good year for, for Marvel. Well. Yeah, a very good year for Marvel comics. They took a lot of swings, they took a lot of chances, and it produced a lot of things including uh sam becoming captain america in that same time frame Mm -hmm. and uh and so that a lot of that is paying dividends in the mcu now and so uh you know for folks who are fans of that particular era and run you're going to be very happy here as we go forward i think in the mcu because you're going to get jane foster thor same period she's about to show up here which by the way kevin kevin where is the trailer for thor love and thunder which comes out in July. It's April 2nd, Kevin. <laughs> Trailer. Uh, sorry, I want to see like more completed pictures of the SH figure arts. <laughs> yeah, which look cool and look gonzo, man. We're going to, you know, we're going to get a, that that Thor looks good, Jane looks good. Yeah. So I'm Kevin. really curious about the um, the face sculpt of that of that Jane cuz it does not yeah. look right for Natalie Portman. But I'm I don't really know what I'm gonna be seeing. I wanna see the actual costume because the Jane Foster Thor in the comics had the unique helmet where it covered most of her face and that was to yeah. hide the fact that it was actually Jane. So they're replicating this in the movie. Um, right. you know, and so it'll be it's gonna have sort of a Batman kind of profile where it comes down over the nose. Right. And so I'm I'm curious what that does to Natalie Portman because Natalie who is gorgeous, but more importantly, has a relatively tiny face. <laughs> is going to be absolutely disappear underneath this massive helmet. Right. So, like, I, I'm curious to see like how this actually looks in real life. So, um, yeah. 
we'll see. Um, but all time great run, Jason Aaron, uh, Russell Dowderman on that Jane Foster Thor run. Mm. And so I'm super curious to see if we just get Jane in this movie or if we're going to go on and get more Jane Foster Thor. Uh, cause I yes. would watch the shit out of all of that. I guess that depends on how successful it is. Oh yeah. And this will be successful. I know a lot of people are rumor mongering out there, some bad actors who are like, this movie's trash cause we haven't seen the trailer. Um, I don't think this movie's trash. I think Marvel is a victim of its own success and they're, they are building up to, uh, a doctor strange, which is going to be a Titanic movie and Disney, is having to figure out how to pimp stuff in a time frame in which their focus is always on what's happening right now. And I think they've learned with the MCU. It used to be back in the day, the trailers would come out a year before the movie and you'd start this sort of, and you know, some of this still happens, but they have collapsed the window, the trailer window, the, the, the uh, promotion cycle down to just a few months. And so I, I will predict that we will get a Love and Thunder trailer here in the month of April and uh, approximately three months before the movie drops, which I don't know the exact date, but it's I know it's in July. And then everybody will be like, oh, I can't wait. You know. <laughs> right. So, yeah, like coming back to, to Moon Knight, you know, Miss Marvel also has Carol Danvers. So I think that, you know, there's some connection there, but... Moon Knight himself, like even for me, you know, the I grew up reading Marvel. My connection to Moon Knight is the Marvel trading card. Like that's kind he's, of all I know about him. Yeah, he's not. I know other people would probably argue differently. He's not a. He's a B tier character. He has very so strong connections to. So was Iron Man, yeah, and and so that's changed. And this, I suspect, Moon Knight will probably be popular. Um. The, uh, he has major connections, though, to some characters and mostly the, the horror-themed characters, Blade. We're getting a lot of those characters. So I talked about earlier Werewolf by Night, uh, Morbius mm-hmm. we just gotten in this movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then uh, we're going to get Blade. Uh, we've gotten Blade already in a voice cameo, but we're going to get Blade. And then I think these guys are going to line up. So the, we in Eternals, we were talking about Eternals a minute ago. Uh, Eternals ends with uh, Dane Whitman, uh, the Black Knight, uh, being interrupted by messing around with the Black Sword, Ebony Blade, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, by Blade. And so this is occurring just uh, down the road from where Steven is at the at the museum. I have to I have to think that we're going to going to have some connection here between Blade uh, and Moon Knight and probably Dane and some other characters as well. So I think we're going to get Midnight Suns in the MCU. Uh, I think we're going to get uh, a lot of horror sort of vibe going on. So um, I'm not the horror person. I was never into that sort of that strain, which was very popular uh, in the seventies before me. Uh, you know, I, I was, that was all before I was even born. And then in the nineties mm-hmm. in 91, 92, 93, there's huge sort of resurgence of the horror sort of brand and the midnight suns. And that was just never my bag. I don't, I'm not a huge ghostwriter person. Do not care about Morbius. Uh, not on Moon Knight person. So for the folks that are fans of that, though, they're going to be very happy, I think, as these guys sort of come online. But, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll watch it for sure, but I, I can't say I'm super excited about it. Ghost Rider is... Ghost, who owns Ghost Rider nowadays? Marvel. MCU. So he's, he's coming. Yeah. Ghost Rider is part of the MCU now? It's not... Who, who used to own him? The Nicolas Cage movie. Who was that put out by? Uh, that was, was, that, was that Universal? Was I it? forget. Yeah. So, no, they the MCU has the Ghost Rider. We're, we're going to get him here in a minute. Yeah. Might even get him in Doctor Strange. But there's so many theories about Doctor Strange. You can't say, no, that's, that's junk. Because literally any and everybody could be in Doctor Strange. So when people are like, so-and-so is going to be in Doctor Strange, all you can do is like, okay, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from, from our um, from our Doctor Strange episode, we were just like, yeah, everything yeah. could happen. Yeah, no theory is wrong at this point, so. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no. Oh, Columbia yeah. Pictures. Sony Columbia. Columbia. Sony yeah. Columbia. That means yeah. it's in the Spider-Man wheelhouse, right? They, the MCU has Ghost Rider. Okay. Yeah. So they did get rid of it. They just kept yep. Spider-Man? Yep. They, uh, they have him for sure, and then you will see him, I will say, relatively soon. And then he's we'll sort see of the Mephisto. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation about <laughs> Mephisto because I was um, one thing. My cousin Matt, who's a huge uh, Marvel fan as well, we were talking about um, the fact that uh, there has never been a Marvel Legends figure of Mephisto for reasons that are somewhat inexplicable. And is is the devil imagery one reason that holds this up? Uh, there's an enormous amount of interest in Mephisto thanks to WandaVision. And it's like, are we going to get Mephisto in the MCU because of the devil stuff? Are we gonna, ever going to get a Mephisto action figure? Is there some weird, like, sort of thing that's going on? I, I mean, don't know. Look, not to get too political, but American culture does have this, like, uh, this, like, undercurrent of extreme Christianity that kind of infiltrates everything i just have a hard time believing that mcfarland toys can sell uh very hyper gross detailed figure figures of like zombie dead undead zombies and blah 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 a lot of this sort of spawn sort of things which he's been doing for 30 years and marvel legends can't make mephisto who's devil-ish but you know i you know, think not it actually devil. makes sense in a way though because McFarlane toys have always been marketed as the adult collector. Therefore mm. you can kind of get away with all that at the same time. McFarlane toys is removing selling of, uh, of guns to Warner brother properties, which is a, yeah, that's a Warner edict. Yeah. Right. Um, so I yeah. can kind of actually see that Marvel legends has always been marketed to children, to, to kids toys. And that's it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting if that's the case, because then I, th- all this sort of Mephisto hype that people have been on since Wanda is for nothing because yeah. we'll, we'll never get Mephisto. <laughs> so I don't think we will. I mean, cause Ghost Rider had Mephisto, right? But they absolutely downplayed any sort of like devil imagery or satanic imagery. He was just a, a dude in a suit who sometimes had, fire right, for right. for his mouth right yeah it's that's the super curious it's like you know as mephisto who's a, a a fairly major character in marvel comics lore he has deep deep connections to some major characters it would be especially as we get into we so we're getting a couple tracks now we're getting into the horror vibe we're getting into the supernatural vibe in a big way with dr strange and with wanda both of whom have major intersections with Mephisto. Uh, if we never get him in the MCU, that'll be that'll be an interesting omission. Uh, there was a Marvel Selects figure of Mephisto from I forget how long ago this was. I'm told it goes for shit tons of money mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's as a lot of them do, um, and they're very. I don't don't collect any of them, but when I see them, I'm like, holy crap, because those are they're gorgeous figures. And when they do the big ones, like the thing or the Hulk or stuff like that, it's like, Oh my God. Like the, the thing that they did was like truly awesome. Um, I have one Marvel select figure, uh, now, and I'm thinking about two or three others. Yeah. yeah. It, it they looks did, nice, they, they but a... it doesn't have the articulation that Marvel legends has, which is yeah, kind of frustrating at the same time. This, the scale is off and then which for the bigger characters i think works to their advantage but they did a um a comic book version of the watcher which is also incredibly hard to find and incredibly expensive which i would like but i'm going to hold out for hasbro doing one a comic book watcher at some point but um yeah they're they're really good figures and when i see them i'm always impressed because like they're they did a they've done so many but like some of those figures the thing abomination juggernaut they're like so heavy they're like mm-hmm. a brick oh my god and they're just really cool they're very <laughs> impressive yeah um 
but yeah, Mephisto. Yeah, we'll see. I it, it's like it, it's interesting um, whether or not I, I would think Hasbro could do him if they did him like as an exclusive. You know, maybe not directly marketed in the, to retail, but um, it, maybe it's maybe it's a Disney thing. Maybe Disney's just like you know what we just don't want to have the conversation. Um, we'll see though. No way of telling. Um, uh, uh, yeah, there's. There's a lot I could say about this. Uh, these groups of people in in America who want to control other people's speech. And well, Disney, Disney is in a lot of these conversations at the moment, given what's happening in Florida. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole that's a different conversation. But um, I think if Disney wants to uh, have conversations, they should have conversations and and not. And not have them and and uh, do token conversations at the same time you donate to fascistic politicians who are hurting trans kids. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, but Moon Knight, Sugu. Um, <laughs> uh, real quickly, I did want to um, come back to one thing that you had said earlier related to Moon Knight, actually, yeah. um, and Ghost Rider and all the others, which is the horror comics. You were never into them, yeah, but yeah. what... Like, I'm familiar with the with the horror comics as kind of the expansion of the Comics Code Authority, but I'm not yeah, familiar yeah. with horror comics as on their own, right? Like, what what are what makes a horror comic, and why are these characters more in the horror genre? Yeah, so just uh, maybe the you mentioned the comics code. So horror comics in the 1950s were very very popular, and most uh, most importantly, EC Comics, uh, a publisher, and some of these got very uh, very gory for the 1950s and maybe even today. And um, so along comes the Comics Code Authority, and all of that's any overt reference to horror. Uh, blood and gore or the occult was basically ripped out of comic books and this starts to relax in the early 1970s so horror theme comics then became comics that were focused on horror characters and in marvel's case it was characters like dracula so he was the subject of his own comic book it became werewolf by night who was just werewolf uh and sort of themes that dealt with the occult with the supernatural Moon Knight then comes out of this and Werewolf by Night 32. Blade comes out of this and Dracula is it 18? Something like that. So Blade is the half sort of vampire uh, daywalker and uh, created by co-created by Marv Wolfman. And so all of those happen in the early 70s and you have Man-Thing, you have Swamp-Thing then makes his first appearance, Bernie Wrights in Swamp-Thing. Swamp-Thing is DC, right? DC Comics, same yeah. thing. So they start to open up. House of Mystery returns uh, for DC Comics horror anthology. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And so um, they uh, have a very they have a surge in popularity in the early 1970s. That cools off, uh, and then they sort of really fall away. Uh, it could tell you how popular horror was. You and I were talking off the pod earlier about X-Men 94. Uh, X-Men 94 is the first appearance of the new X-Men, Storm, Colossus, etc., Wolverine, in the regular monthly X-Men title. Uh, their villain that they fight in X-Men 94 is Dracula. <laughs> so, okay. you, you know, like, this is 1974 or 5, X-Men 94. Um, so, um these were major figures and uh and dracula still is in marvel comics he's part of the very horror corner of the marvel universe um and then in the early 90s there's a resurgence in what they called the midnight suns which is ghost rider uh uh doctor strange blade those kinds of guys um who are fighting supernatural elements like mephisto and lilith and all etc etc and then that cools off big time, and then you've had no real uh, concentrated resurgence since. But these characters persist because you have the Blade movies, the Wesley Snipe movies there at the end of the 90s. And um, those characters are just always around. Um, 
you know, and they sort of maintain their popularity. But yeah, never. I never got into them. They were that's not my deal. So, because doctors, based on what you just said, Doctor Strange sounds like not only is he um, part of the standard MCU, like uh, you know, New Avengers or what, whatever, but. He's also very much part of the occult, which would make him horror. There's a lot of overlap there, and we're going to see this in Multiverse of Madness. Uh, this is going to be a, on one hand, is going to be a big time Sam Raimi horror movie. Like, it, there's going to be aspects of this movie which are going to be like Evil Dead, which I'm kind of excited about. Okay. Uh, and that's that's sort of the intersection with the occult. That's Wanda and the dark magic, and things like that. And there's sort of hints of it in the trailers, but. I'm excited about that. And Dr. Strange is a great character in that way is that he, the mystical and the magical intersect with the, with the, the supernatural, obviously in the paranormal. And so he's a good character to kind of move between those worlds. Wanda is too less, less so Wanda sort of feels rooted in the Avengers in a way that Dr. Strange isn't, but, mm-hmm. um, but Wanda moves through those, those circles too. And so, um, so we're going to get a lot of this. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about overlap between Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. Maybe not in this series, but for sure at some point. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting. So what, um, uh, this is going to sound really rudimentary, but for the sake <laughs> of completion, what makes a horror movie or what makes a horror comic as compared with any other comic? What is it that well, makes sir, it stand out? Yeah, I think most superhero comics, the superhero genre is 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 the, the 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 focus of it is on the sort of the action and the adventure and the appreciation of the of the body. And so, superhero comics at their core are just basically uh, fetishizing the body, okay. and the horror the, the horror comic is body horror in many ways. So whereas the X-Men present or Superman or Batman present the, the body ideal, mm-hmm. you know, he's gorgeous, he's fit, he's, you know, all of that stuff, or she's gorgeous, whatever the case is, right? Um, they're the perfect body. The body horror comes in with the horror comics and the transformation of Dracula, werewolf, man thing, who is this, or swamp thing, who is this, you know... Uh, horrible you know he's disfigured by his experience and his circumstances uh the zombie that you know in the walking dead that type of thing and so i think it's the focus on the horror some cases it's mental sort of existential horror but often in comic books because it's a visual medium it's the 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 horror of the body and with moon knight it's very much of the mind right it's he's he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what's real. So that's different from some of the things we're talking about. But in general, certainly the early 70s stuff, it was all about, and you see this, and a lot of this has roots in sort of the the Lovecraftian sort of legacy of the sort of body horror of, uh, you know, uh, you see sometimes in, in some of those books and, and the comic books that are inspired by Lovecraft. We're going to see this again in Doctor Strange. There are... Cthulhu type monsters and Doctor Strange who were mm-hmm. obviously directly influenced by the Lovecraftian mythology um, and we get body horror in Doctor Strange trailer one of the Doctor Strange variants appears to be some kind of zombie yeah, um, right. so all of these things sort of intersect there and I think that's the interesting thing um, I'm not an expert on horror comic history but there's a lot of great stuff out there on it especially the EC stuff of which I am wholly unfamiliar. Uh, but there, there's a huge, um, great sort of, uh, uh, appreciation and, and, uh, uh, study of the whole thing because it's a, it's a huge part of comic book history. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the reason I ask is cause it kind of takes me to, a question I've been trying to formulate for months now, and I can't quite get the right question to get the right answer that I'm looking for. But, mm. yeah. you know, it's generally accepted that the Comics Code Authority was created due to that book that came out like 
comics and how it's influencing our kids or some whatever book that was i forget the title now uh dr frederick wortham's book yeah yeah seduction of the innocent that's it and it uh it created the comics code authority and then that started uh this idea of why comics are always about superheroes now and i never understood that link is why why superheroes why did the comics code authority (laughs) become like influence the industry so much that it was only superheroes like especially in america because in japanese comics that's not the case right like you don't have superhero comics in japan they're like you know a high school basketball team you're right um this is a very complicated subject but in a nutshell you, you kind of <laughs> know most of this um is um wortham's premise was that uh hysterical and panicked pres- uh premise was that um the uh relationship between as de- in between batman and robin in particular and DC Comics was responsible for turning kids gay. Um, this is uh, the same sort of rhetoric that you hear out of the out of the uh, people who are passing these bills, banning books featuring LGBTQ themes and characters out of uh, libraries today. It's this um, this historical and uh, baseless notion that uh, these books are. Uh, turning kids gay um the that was the in the nutshell what's triggered the whole panic about the comic books in general having this impact on kids and it was a it was bound up in the red scare of the early 1950s and this fear that popular culture and media which at the time were rel- was a relatively new concept in 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 the world and in the united states was having an undue influence on children especially television but all of it and so kids were reading com- there was there and there were no constraints really on things like ec comics and the horror which were very you know like i said very they're they're surprisingly shocking i mm-hmm. i feel for their era i don't think they made kids action murderers but they, right. uh, the, but you know they they were they were surprisingly uh, gory. Um, the so this led to a, a comic book wide thing. So you have superhero genre is just one genre in comic books. Another popular genre at the time was the romance comic. Mm-hmm. It may be arguably more popular than superhero comics of that era. Uh, that also got throttled down so a part of the sub subcategory of this was in uh novels as well uh, sort of <laughs> let's, let's make it so we said different category novels at the time but any lgbtq themes or, or anything like that a popular you know an underground comics underground novels things like that have featured a lot of sort of lesbian themes a lot of lesbian sort of what we'd consider very poor today but would was you know um and that got rubbed out of it too that got that got you know all of that just got pushed to the margin so you couldn't have anything you couldn't depict any overt romance or sexuality you couldn't pick, depict anything horror or anything that's outside this puritanical conception of america in 1953 and so that had uh on the comic book industry had an undue influence that really didn't shake off until recent years and you know, it's the scars are deep in comic books from that yeah, whole experience. Because you're not seeing a resurgence of romance comics in America. You're not seeing a not resurgence as a, of not as horror. a genre. Yeah, yeah, not as a genre. And I think that's uh, part of it. Is right now the supremacy of the superhero genre in every form of media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the superhero is just muscled out everything. Um, <laughs> Interesting but, choice of phrase, but yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but, um, those categories though, that those forms of horror and romance are extremely popular in fiction and literature to the point where romance is the, the best-selling category, uh, in eBooks, certainly and in self-published romance, man, mm-hmm. look out. Yeah. Uh, but so there's a lot, there's a huge, huge, huge audiences for it. And uh, depending on the format, the ty- you know the type of media you you know it's certainly available. 
Yeah. But like, I feel like Zoolander. But why superheroes? Why? Um, that'll do it for today, folks. But actually, we're going to continue this conversation next week, where Sugi and I continue our conversation about why superheroes. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.